The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10, 30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Well, church, so glad that you've joined us, man. I love singing that song in a moment like this because we know that we are guaranteed a victory. You say, okay, how can you know that for sure? Like, how do we know this will turn out to be a victory? Well, here's what Romans 8 says. It says, if God is for us, who could possibly be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, which means, and this is what it says, it it says that we are more than conquerors. So we know we are going to see a victory. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we know who is in control. We thank you that there might be circumstances swirling around us that are uncertain. But who you are is certain. And who is actually in control of all the circumstances in all the universe. We know that for absolute certainty. It is you, Jesus. Thank you that we can rest in that. Thank you that knowing the love that you have for us casts out all fear. Thank you that you promise the peace that passes understanding. We're waiting to see how you are going to take this circumstance and turn it around for good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so glad, church, that we are joining together online. And um, if, you're, if you're our guest joining with us for the first time, glad that you've chosen this week to join us online. My name is Roby. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, in Romans chapter 8, it says what we just sang, that he is going to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so here's what we know. We know that God is going to turn this around for our good. We don't know how that's going to look. We don't know when that is going to happen, but we are trusting that for our community, for our city, for our state, for our nation, for the world. We are waiting to see how he is going to work in his redemptive power. And so we're already getting to work in that capacity as a church. We are saying, okay, So because of the circumstance, we're not able to meet together in person. So God, how can we turn this around? If that is an attack of the enemy, how can we counterattack back and turn that around for our good? And so here's what we've said. Okay, we're not meeting together uh, this week, and we're going to watch that week to week. And and this upcoming week, we have... Um, We are going to continue each event, but it's going to be online. So young adults on Monday night, there is going to be an online version of that. On Wednesday night for our students, there's an online version of that. So we are not canceling our events. We're just moving them online. But since we can't meet, how can we turn that around for our good? And so here's what we're going to do in this season. Church, we are going to strengthen our digital connection together as a church And I think if we can focus on that as a church over the next few weeks, when we do gather back together, we are going to be that much stronger. And so here's a couple things I want to encourage you to do. Here's the first thing. The first thing is over the next few weeks, we are surrounded by people, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, family members, people we're connected to on social media who they are looking for hope 
in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the chaos, they're looking for hope. This is a great time to reach out to friends and family members digitally. This is a great time to share. Share things like this online. Repost things that we send out. We're going to equip you so that we can share these things and offer hope to our city and our community in a time like this. Here's the second way that we can strengthen our connection digitally is on social media. So if you are not currently following us on Facebook or following your church and a part of your church on social media through Instagram or Facebook, that's a great way for us to stay connected. We're going to be giving you updates along the way on social media as well. And here's the last thing. Maybe you don't have the West Pines app. In fact, some of you are saying, wait, I didn't even know my church had an app. Here's what I want you to do. I want you right now, take out your phone or a device, and I want you to go to your app store and download the West Pines app. We are going to start communicating even more through that and giving you resources through our West Pines app. That is a principal way we are going to stay connected through this season. So go ahead and download that, that West Pines app right now. And as many of you know, we are in the process of transitioning from the name West Pines to the name City Rev Church. That's the new name of our church, City Rev Church. And so in just a few weeks, when we are officially in the capacity of City Rev Church, your app, one day you'll wake up and will have magically updated to the City Rev app. And so go ahead and download that now. Here's some things that you can get on the app. Starting this weekend, since our kids' ministry is not coming together, we are going, we have, you'll see a, a spot on that app where we have the kids' ministry resources. So you can do those right there at home. So uh, right now today, if you can pull your kids together, you can watch. There's a video. There's some questions you can ask. And you can begin leading your children spiritually. And we're going to give you all the resources right there on the app. Which, by the way, we're merely partners with you as your church as you are leading your family spiritually, the most impacting thing you can do for your kids spiritually is as you're leading them. So another great opportunity in this season. Other things on the app, you'll see uh, our podcast is on the app. You can see all uh, our whole sermon archive. There's a giving portal on the app. We don't have to come together to continue practicing generosity. You can practice that there right through the app. You'll see also we're going to put up there our small group resources. So you're going to be checking in with your small group leader about whether your small group is meeting this week. But maybe you're saying, look, I'm sick, so I'm going to stay home. You know, especially in the season, I'm not going to, group, going to group. But we're going to post those videos for your small group so you can stay up to speed on whatever study your group is doing uh, this season. Uh, also, this is a great time to jump into our Word Habit Bible reading plan. That's all on the app as well. So you can jump in and read the chapters that we are all reading. So here's the thing, church. Um, in this season, we may not be able to meet together, but it's not going to stop us as a church from moving forward. As we talked about just a little over a week ago when we talked about our new name, City Rev, ultimately, Jesus is the one who's building his church here in South Florida, and nothing is going to stop that. So we are going to continue growing as a church. We're going to continue becoming disciples of Jesus, mathetes of Jesus, which is the ancient Greek word for disciples. We're going to continue growing and growing closer together, even if we have to do that digitally. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to just pause and just take a moment and pray, and then we are going to jump into a devotional. I just want to encourage you today as wherever you're at, just want to encourage you. Let me, let me pray and we'll jump into this devotional. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can 
come together in a time like this. Thank you that we live in an age where we can still meet, still encourage each other, still hear the scripture, still be led into worship. Thank you for the age that we live in. Jesus, we just pause now, and as we're going to be reminded from this part of the Bible, no matter what is out there, you reign. You are in control. And it is our joy to have faith and peace and rest in that. And we lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, my uh, favorite scene in all the Marvel movies, all the uh, Avengers movies, my favorite scene is when they're all, most of the Avengers are there together and Thor's hammer is sitting there on the table. Now, the legend behind Thor's hammer is that only the one who is worthy can lift the hammer. So they start asking Thor about his hammer and they say, is, that, is it just a trick? Like, is it just an illusion? You know, what's the thing? And Thor says, well, be my guest. You can go ahead and try and lift it if you want. And one at a time, they try to lift Thor's hammer. It's such a great scene. I want you to check out this scene. Watch, watch this from Marvel movies. Are you even pulling? Are you on my team? Just represent. Pull. All right, let's go. Yeah. Go, Steve. No pressure. Come on, Cap. Nothing. I love that scene, and especially, I think my favorite part is when you, when you see Thor's face, when Captain America grabs the hammer, and it just budges just a little bit, and you see Thor's face get a little worried, and then the obvious look of relief when he can't lift it, and uh, as to whether or not that plays out and has some effect on the rest of the story of the Avengers, I will leave that for you to discover. But I love that scene that the only one, the kind of the message that the only one who can lift Thor's hammer is the one who is worthy. And I, I like that scene. I was thinking about that because there is a story in the Bible. There's a passage in the Bible that has a similar moment where there is something that needs to be taken, something that needs to be taken up by someone, but only the one who is worthy can do that. And so I want you to look, if you have a Bible or you have a Bible app, go ahead and look at Revelation chapter 5. We have been going through this City Rev series. We started with City Rev part 1 last week, and now we're doing City Rev part 2 online and uh, honestly, we've been planning on using this particular passage for weeks. And I got to tell you, this is even more relevant today than when we were first planning this series. This passage, I think, is one of the most beautiful, most encouraging, most exciting, most dramatic chapters in the entire Bible. I'm so excited to share this with you. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. The thing about Revelation is it's full of imagery and so we'll talk about some of that here. But look at what it says. Revelation 5 verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, 
sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. So here's the scene. You've got someone is seated on the throne. They're in the throne room. Who is on the throne? Well, it's God Almighty seated on the throne. So talk about dramatic, talk about intense. This is the one who can hold the entire galaxy, the entire universe in the palm of his hand. Our entire galaxy is not even the size of his toenail. This is God Almighty seated on the throne. So every single category of greatness has been invented by this one on the throne. I mean, think about this. The idea of brilliance, the idea of genius, the idea of knowledge and wisdom, that is invented by God, thought up by God, emanates from God. He is the source. So talk about overwhelming brilliance. They're there, if you're there standing in front of the throne, you are overwhelmed by his brilliance. Talk about power. The idea of power itself was invented by Almighty God. It flows from Almighty God. So if you're standing before the throne, talk about intimidating. You are standing before the one from whom all power flows. He could marshal the power of stars, the marshal the power of black holes, marshal the power of whole galaxies and, and the whole universe. It, it is all coming from him. Talk about overwhelmingly awestruck, standing in the presence of Almighty God seated on the throne. That is who is seated there on his throne. It says, in his right hand, he's holding a scroll. Now, this scroll, it's written on the, both sides of the scroll. It's rolled up, and it has seven seals, so it's sealed. It is not opened. What is that scroll? That scroll is God's plan for how all of creation will be consummated in the end. This is how everything will be made right. This is God's intention, his purpose, the story he is writing for all of creation. He's holding the scroll on his throne in his right hand. And a powerful angel, which is like redundant. I mean, angels are overwhelmingly powerful, and this is a powerful one by angel standards. The powerful angel stands up and says, who is worthy? Just shouts this for all of heaven and really all the universe to hear. Who is worthy to come and take the scroll to open it and to look into it? What is he asking? God is, got, is holding the scroll with his right hand and he's waiting for someone to come and take that scroll, break the seals, open it up and look into it. In other words, he's waiting for someone who will enact, will take action, will see to it that God's plan for all of creation will be accomplished. Now, who would dare approach the throne of God Almighty. I mean, we, talk, we talked about it a moment ago. I mean, talk about intimidating. Who could possibly have the courage to walk up to someone who dwarfs the universe, 
to walk up to a being. This is not a matter of swagger. This is not a matter of self-confidence. This is not a matter of, of arrogance. There is no one who would dare approach the throne of God. But it's not a matter of courage or power here. He is saying, who is worthy? Who is worthy to take this scroll? The angel calls that out to the entire universe. And here's what happens, verse 4. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. The angel calls this out, who is worthy? And no one moves. Not a single galaxy responds, not a single solar system, not a single planet not a single creature. There is no one in all of creation that could respond and come up and take that scroll and open it and see to it that God's plan happens for the universe. And what is John, who's seeing this vision, what does he do? He weeps loudly. Now, there's a bunch of different kinds of crying. There is the happy tears. You just won the championship and you just can't believe it and you're clutching the championship trophy and you're just weeping, you know, tears of gladness. Then there's the tears that you just lost the championship, okay? You're off on the side of the basketball court and you're just, you're crying because you can't believe you lost it, okay? There's the sentimental tears that you just see the happy ending of a, of a movie and then there's the, the tear that you're seeing something sad that happened. That is not, the, none of those are the type of weeping that this is. This is the loud wailing and weeping of sheer hopelessness, and terror. What does it mean if no one can come and take the scroll out of God's hands? If God's plan cannot be enacted, what does that mean? That means that there's no way for God's goodness to win in the earth. That means there's no expectation of any kind of intentionality or plan with all the circumstances that are going around. That means all the bad things, all the, the difficult things, all the things in the universe are just chaotic and out of control with no one to hold them at bay. There's um, a writer in the 20th century by the name of C.S. Lewis, and he was friends with another writer by the name of J.R.R. Tolkien. And C.S. Lewis wrote the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And they were both Christians and were close friends. And they had other Christian writers that they would hang out at a, at a pub and they would, in the UK and they would talk about things. And one of their favorite subjects to talk about, they're all these literary geniuses. And they're talking about how we all write stories. We as humanity, we create stories and we create these endings, and that is coming from an inner longing for the ending that we want to see for the story that we are a part of. We're all part of this meta story. Creation is part of the story. There's a, we, we're longing, whether we consciously realize it or not, there is this master author writing a story. And so every time we're writing a story, every time we write a happy ending, it's coming, and every time we see a happy ending and we want to cheer or we want to cry or we, wanna, we feel good about it, that is an inner longing we have that the story we are a part of would actually come true. 
In other words, we write stories about mythical comic book characters about, that are worthy to take up um, a, a weapon to fight off wickedness and evil and save the day. We write stories like that because we have an inner longing for our story to have a happy ending. This inner longing that there's this divine author that is writing everything with a final chapter that will end with victory. The angel calls out, who can take this scroll? Who can ensure this happy ending? And if no one approaches and no one does, John weeps loudly because that means that evil will win. Wickedness will win. That means that there's no guarantee of a happy ending. That means when bad things happen to me, that there's no reason for me to expect that it's part of a larger story. It's just random, chaotic pain. And that's pretty much the worst case scenario. He weeps loudly. But that's not the end of this chapter. Verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. John is weeping and wailing, and one of the elders, one of the leaders in heaven says, hey, stop, do not weep. There is one who is worthy, and he describes him like this. He says he's the lion from the tribe of Judah. In other words, there's this long prophecy that goes all the way back to the beginning of the Old Testament that there would be a king that would come from the tribe of Judah. And then another prophecy that there would be this promised king from, from the, the lineage of David. He says that promised king from the tribe of Judah, the lineage of of David, that king, he is a lion, and he has conquered, and he can open the scrolls. Who is this lion? Who is this king? How has he conquered? I want to read you how this chapter ends. I'm going to read you the whole chapter, because I think it's going to be an encouragement to you today. This is one of the most, this is the happy ending you are longing for. This is how there is a happy ending to the universe. Let's pick it up in verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and, a go and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, listen to this song, it's so powerful. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive 
power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. So beautiful. That is the beginning of the happy ending for all the universe. There is one who is worthy. It is the lion who is also a lamb. He looks up. Here's the imagery. He's got the boldness, the regal authority, the power of a lion. But he's sacrificial like a lamb. Listen to how he's described. It's a lamb standing as though slain. How can you be standing if you're slain? If you're slain, you're, if you're killed, you're laid out on the ground. No, he's standing while slain. Who is this? This is Jesus Christ, the lion and the lamb. From the line of David, of the tribe of Judah, the promised Messiah, the promised king. The one that they fall down and they say, every, it says every creature in all the universe worships the one who reigns, who is king. It's Jesus How is he slain but still standing? Well, Jesus died, came to earth, God in the flesh, dies on the cross, and by his blood, he pays for all of our sins. So if we put our faith in Jesus, we can be washed clean. By his blood, he pays for our sins and dies. But then he defeats death rises again from the dead. On the third day, he rose again. That's why we celebrate on Easter, the day that we celebrate. He rose again from the dead. His disciples saw him, and he goes back to heaven where he sits on the throne, and he reigns. Jesus defeated death. He's slain but still standing. He, he fought death, Jesus versus death, and Jesus is the one still standing. He defeats death. He goes up to the throne and takes the scroll out of the hands of Almighty God. And because of Jesus, he will see to it that God's purposes are realized through all of creation. Here's what this says. This says that we are ransomed by the blood of this lamb. In fact, it tells us who Jesus is, but can I just reread two verses? Because it also says who who we are. Look what it says. I want to go back to verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed a people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Who is this one who's worthy? It's the Lion and the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who reigns over all. But that has implications for us. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have come to a place in your life where you have said, Jesus, I know the only way I can be saved is through through your sacrifice on the cross. What it says, it's like you were ransomed. It's like sin and death had kidnapped us. Every single one of us, because of the mistakes and sin we've made in our life, can't stand before that almighty God and we deserve an eternity away from God. But Jesus' blood washes us clean. We don't get to heaven by being good. 
We don't get to heaven by being religious. We don't get to heaven by trying our best. We can only get to heaven by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's like we were kidnapped by sin and he ransomed and bought us back by his shed blood. And it says we will reign. And so here's what I want to encourage you. If you have never put your faith in Jesus and made him your savior and your Lord, you're going to have an opportunity to do that in just a few moments. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, I want you to know, he, it says he has all, already conquered. He reigns over all. You know, in all this discussion about the coronavirus, you know, I, I found an article that talked about where the family of viruses known as the coronavirus, where they got their name. And it got their name by what the virus itself, the particle, looks like when, if you were to look at it under an electron microscope. Go ahead, I want you to look at this picture. This is what the coronavirus looks like on an electron microscope. You can see that there's like a, a ring around it, like a halo, and there's these spikes that stick out. And because those spikes look like a crown, they called this strand of viruses a corona, meaning like the Latin for crown. The coronavirus is because they have what looks like these spikes or this crown around it. And kind of in, a, in an ironic way, right now it feels like the coronavirus is all that anyone's talking about. It's all that is on anybody's mind. It's kind of like corona rules the day. It's what everyone's looking at on social media and talking about with each other. I mean, corona's got to be one of the most searched for words online right now. One of the most spoken words all over the world. It feels like corona has been crowned and is ruling the day. But corona is not king. There is no virus that is the real king. It's not ruling the day. It doesn't reign. No virus can reign. No sickness can reign. By the way, no mythical comic book character reigns. No person reigns. There is no true king on any throne. There is only one who reigns, and it is King Jesus. Jesus is sitting on the throne today, and he rules over this city, this planet, this galaxy, this universe. He reigns today like he reigned yesterday and like he will reign for every other day throughout all of history. Jesus is the one who reigns. So church, what is our role well, it says here in the most beautiful language, we are a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? That means that we are the ones taking the message of Jesus out to our city. We are the conduit between our city and God. You are, if you are a Christian, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you are the priest bringing the message of Jesus to your family. You are the priest in your neighborhood. You're the priest in, in a sense. You're the priest where you work. You're the priest in your extended family. What that means is you are connecting the world to God. How do you do that? You're simply revealing who Jesus is. And when we do that, we know our city is going to be revolutionized. That's what's behind our name, City Rev. Our, our calling is to reveal who Jesus is. He is the lion and the lamb who is the one who wears the crown and sits on the throne. He reigns. We're revealing Jesus. And when we do that, we'll see our city revolutionized. Church, I want to challenge you in this season. This is one of the greatest seasons possible. One of the greatest moments. This is when the body of Christ, the church, shines. 
This is the opportunity for us to reveal Jesus for who he is. When our world and our city is wondering who is in control, let's remind them about Jesus. Let's go be a source of hope and a source of encouragement all throughout the city. I heard someone ask, um, so are you, you canceling church? Well, canceling church is actually impossible because church is not a, a service. Church is a body, a kingdom of priests. Church is you and church is me. We are the church when we gather together, whether we gather in a cave whether we gather in a cathedral, whether we gather in a warehouse, or whether we gather online, we are the church. And in fact, church, because we're a kingdom of priests to our city, we are just as much the church, if not more, when we are out in the city revealing Jesus than when we're here gathered. So church, church cannot be canceled. Go be the church in your city, in your neighborhood, in your family, and in your workplace, in your schools, let's go bring the message of Jesus. Let's reveal who is on the throne. And here's the last thing that I want to share. You know, there may be some of you that are here today that are watching online, and as you're watching this, you've realized, you know what, I'm not sure I've ever made Jesus my king, my savior and my king. I'm not saying maybe you've never called yourself a Christian. Maybe you've called yourself a Christian for decades, maybe all your life, but maybe Jesus to you is just, just something you kind of sprinkle into your life. It's just like, if I had a religion, it would be Christianity. Maybe it's just a tradition for you. That's not what the Bible is calling us to. What it means to, to follow Jesus, it means we put our faith in what he did on the cross through his death and resurrection. That is what saves us. Not being religious, not acting like a Christian, not doing the best we can, not trying to be a pretty good person. No, we would all fall short. It's putting our faith. No, Jesus, it's what you accomplished on the cross. That and that alone saves me. I put my faith in what you did to save me. And maybe you're ready to put your faith in that today. You can know for sure you are saved today by putting your faith in the work that Jesus did on the cross. And then make him your king. Let him rule over every part of your life. I want to challenge you today. Make him your Lord and your Savior. Follow Jesus. And then you'll watch how he works all things together for the good in your life. Right there, wherever you're seated, I want you to just take a posture of prayer. Would you just bow your head right there, wherever you're seated, in a living room, in a Starbucks, watching on your phone, wherever you're at around the city, wherever you're at around the world, I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes and take a quiet minute moment between you and God. Are you ready to put your faith in Jesus today? Make this the day that your eternity is transformed. From this day forward, you can know for certain you'll spend eternity in heaven. Let me lead you in that prayer. Take that step right there, in your, right there wherever you're seated. In your heart, say this to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I recognize that you are king. Jesus, I recognize you are the savior. You're what this world is waiting for. You are the conqueror. You conquered death itself. You're the one that rules. You are the one that wears the crown. You are the one on the throne. Tell him that you believe that today. Now say, Jesus, I know that you died on the cross 
and I know that you did that to pay for my sins. I believe all my sins, past, present, and future, are washed away. And now I will spend eternity in heaven. Thank you for making me part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.